T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Only go where no man has gone before. Engage. Engage. Kirk Enterprise, Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Captain Janeway. Captain Sisko. Red alert. Photon torpedoes, fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Holy smokes! Whoa, what an entrance! My God, it gets better every time. Welcome back, everybody, to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffman, and with me today, back in the booth, is Brian, who is not at his usual post. We are not on Deck 44 today. We're on Deck 46. Deck 46 today for a very special episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Big news in Star Trekville last week, as uh, even this morning, big news. Rihanna is uh, doing a song for the soundtrack to uh, Star Trek Beyond, and it is not called Targ Better Have My Latinum. That's a joke, if you like Star Trek jokes. It's not called that. It's called Sledgehammer, and it's a song that I heard. uh, Actually, I didn't even really get a chance to hear it because I've been very busy because it's a big week in Star Trek. Um. And I want to cut right down to it. We have uh, a guest today, very special guest, fellow by the name of John Van Sitters in Los Angeles, who's beaming in on subspace. So the reason we've got John here is this. Um, and this is no uh, secret to anybody who's following news. Uh, this week, for the first time ever, Star Trek has released guidelines for fan films. Some of you listening may know exactly what I'm talking about. And some people might say, what the heck is a fan film? And why the heck do we need guidelines? Well, a fan film is what it sounds like. Fan fiction, but filmed, or in this case, videotaped. And um, how to do it the right way. Well, why does it need to be a right way and a wrong way? Well, as a fan myself, and someone who, uh, you know, I'm not an employee of CBS, technically. And, uh, you know, I uh, enjoy looking at, When I go to conventions, the most fun thing I see are when people dress up in costumes. They create a character, either one out of their own head or they create the most lifelike Cardassian costume I've ever seen. It's the most exciting thing that I see. I think we all know that what we love about Star Trek is the the enthusiasm of the fans. Um, But there was a situation recently... Uh, that is not a secret. That uh, is an ongoing litigation that's happening right now between Star Trek and a particular fan production. Uh, since it is ongoing litigation, and I am not privy to those facts, I don't know anything about it on a kind of granular level, so to speak. But I do know that it put uh, us in a in a place that isn't too isn't the greatest in terms of being a Star Trek fan. It's not cool to have Star Trek and lawsuits in the same breath. 
And what we've got now is a situation that I think is really terrific. John and his group in L.A. have created a set of guidelines that I think will prevent this from ever happening again. And in time, when the dust settles, we will recognize that this is actually a fantastic thing that's happened for fans and for fan films and for creativity and for Star Trek. Now, whenever, when anybody hears rules, they go, oh, man, rules. Who wants rules? I don't want rules. So initially, there may be some skepticism. And frankly, when I first read the rules, I was like, well, that one doesn't make sense. And well, that one doesn't make sense. But I had a conversation with John. And uh, John shed some light on it. So I'm just kind of a neutral party here. I don't make Star Trek fan films. Uh, you do what you got to do. But I said to myself, uh, I think it would be really great if John could come on this show and sort of explain what went into making these guidelines more than just, you know, putting up a blog post and having these guidelines be out there. Some thought that went behind each one, explain them, a little more nuance into the conversation. And then I think you're going to come away with more of an understanding of what went behind making these guidelines. And uh, that is uh, what I wanted to do today. So that's what's going to happen. John, are you out there? I'm here. <laughs> awesome. Uh, John, are you prepared to discuss this? I'm, I'm definitely prepared to discuss <laughs> this. Born, uh, there's... You were born prepared. But before we get into that, who, who the heck are you, John? People know who I am. I'm the loudmouth behind the podcast. Uh, who, who is John Van Sitters? What makes him tick? What makes his warp core engine, uh, what makes the intermixed chamber in his warp core engine <laughs> overheat? Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're, you're pushing really hard for the metaphor there. I know, I know. Uh, who, who am I? I? I'm pretty much a lifelong Star Trek fan who is lucky enough to have uh, what I consider to be about the greatest job in the world. Um, I've been around long enough to remember Star Trek when it was on uh, primetime. Uh, very, very faint, distant memories of that time. I grew up in the 70s, coming home after school and watching it um, uh, in the afternoons. Uh, very angry when, you know, uh, Turnabout Intruder was uh, invariably on or the alternative factor in Mirror, Mirror or Amok Time were not. Uh, even more upset when the local TV affiliate uh, decided to take it off in the afternoons. Is it, is it, is it Amok Time or uh, Amok Time? Uh, it, it, it's whatever the individual fan wishes to say it is, is what I've uh, figured out over the years. But, like, you know, you know, I was watching Corbin my maneuver the other day, and he says, this is Balok. And then McCoy comes on the bridge and he says, Balok's message was heard all throughout the ship. He just said Balok 30 seconds ago. And now he's saying Balok. But isn't that what's great about Star Trek is there's there's all these little idiosyncrasies mm. where, you know, I mean, are, uh, opening in, scene in, of Star Trek, opening scene of Wrath of Khan. He says, this is the Kobayashi Maru. Emphasis on Ma. Two seconds later, Savick says, Kobayashi Maru. What's going on there? <laughs> And, if we can't get that set up, how are we going to work? All right, let's, and, let's, let's and, focus and on that. In early original series, I could never decide if it was screens or shields that they were raising. Um, uh, all, all of that's great. You know, I, I, I loved Star Trek growing up, uh, uh, getting, you know, B. Joe Trimble's Concordance, the, the, the Franz Joseph uh, technical manuals and Enterprise blueprints. And, and those things just like absolutely hooked me on Star Trek. 
uh, uh, having to stay up late to see it uh, at, on Friday and Saturday nights after the local news when they when they took it off the air in the afternoons was was terrible because then if I missed an episode that I hadn't seen yet or really wanted to see it it could be a year before I'd see it again if not years depending on how schedules ran this was there was no streaming there was no uh, there, there were no videotapes at that time it was uh, it was it was a terribly dark time it sounds like uh, a horror it, it was a horror <laughs> you're, you're you're much younger so you didn't have to face the same horrors that I did well maybe that's true maybe that's true but so u- ultimately I was lucky enough to, to get uh, which you know you asked me who I am and what I do I'm I'm vice president of product development for CBS uh, and we do the licensing for Star Trek, and I've been lucky enough to be doing that uh, first for Paramount and, and then with CBS for almost 18 years now. I've had an incredible amount of opportunity to work with uh, anything and everything related to Star Trek, and it's, it's been a spectacular ride, but at the, at the base of it all... I'm a fan. I'm a huge, huge fan of Star Trek. I'm thrilled today that I get to be here uh, talking about Star Trek and someone will actually listen to what I'm saying about Star Trek, which is pretty cool because most of the time uh, my wife and my kids will just kind of roll their eyes when I start in on it. (laughs) Uh, And I don't blame them. But uh, it's it's terrific. So that's that's you know a little bit about who I am. And uh, but it, it wasn't like you went into life saying I want to work for Star Trek. You 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 were working in business, and it sort of just it was like those time eddies in City on the Edge of Forever. It was like a natural thing that had to happen. It was it was bringing you to Star Trek was not the, just uh, the I, I I spent most of my career before Star Trek working in the music industry, and then immediately before getting hired at Paramount. I had worked uh, editing um, sales collateral materials for a large medical insurance company. Oh, all right. That was not quite as much fun. It was close. Not not the tricorder, but uh, something much less. All right. So – and you say you've been doing this for 18 years now. Uh, Almost 18 years. uh, uh, I'll, I'll hit 18 years this November. And you've been involved. So what is a day-to-day? I mean, I sort of know this because of my, you know, I've known you for a little while, but your position is you've got your fingers in a little bit of everything. If there's a new Star Trek book, uh, like a a novel or one of the fun um, uh, books like we had with Rob Perlman last week or the comics, I mean, you are not involved so much as a... Well, you tell me. How how does your interaction? What, it, what? How would you describe what it is that you do that sort of is involved in all of these products, as well as the toys and the it, you know pizza cutters and things like that? W- the the thing that I really love about the job is that there are absolutely no two days that are alike. Uh, in eighteen years, I've never been over into uh, a recording studio at CBS to to do a podcast. Uh, this is a brand new, interesting day for me. Uh, some days I am sitting at a desk uh, looking at a ton of T-shirt designs and cell phone cases and mugs and things like that. Uh, there are other days where I get to do some pretty amazing things, uh, and 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 uh, it, it's 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 an incredible honor to do. Uh, one one day when Alan Dean Foster was working on the novelization 
for Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, I was his chauffeur in L.A. and got to pick him up at the airport and take him over to Bad Robot, uh, where he got to see an early cut of the movie. And I uh, had breakfast with him and talked a lot about his work over the years. And it was it was just an incredible, incredible day to, to speak to an author of that magnitude uh, about his work uh, and how he approaches everything. And there is um... – so, so Star Trek uh, will license itself out to people who are making official toys, official costumes, and your job to a certain extent is some of this is, uh, I don't want to say quality control, but you're just kind of making sure that things are true to the Star Trek vibe. And you gave me an example, and it kind of leads to what we're going to talk about with fan films, of uh, a time when you were reading some books a book proposal, and you had to step in and say, "No, that's not what Wesley Crusher does. No, that's not what you know." It's some. It's some. You, people say, "Well, who's who's in charge of making sure?" Well, the let, characters. Let's be clear. Part of part of what I do on a day to day basis is exercise my childhood demons in in <laughs> in the fact that in the 1970s you couldn't get a decent phaser toy. I, I, I something that looked like a pistol and shot little plastic discs was was not really an appropriate phaser in my mind. Uh, so now I get to I get to play a role in correcting that, and and that's amazing. But yes, I I definitely do. Uh, essentially quality control for Star Trek, trying to make sure that things are uh, appropriate to Star Trek and uh, appropriate to the universe as well as not reflecting badly on on Star Trek and, and the creation that we all love, that, you know, what Gene Roddenberry set out to do and that so many other creators uh, over the years have have set up in the shows. Uh, the example that, that we had discussed was... Um, we had gotten a novel, uh, and in in that novel, uh, there was a scene where you had Wesley Crusher with his uh, newfound traveler uh, powers getting very angry with someone and actually reaching into their chest and pulling out their still-beating heart. Oh. Um, that's not really in character for Wesley. It just, yeah. it just get, isn't. Get your, uh, uh, get your rainbow sweater messy, too. I mean, that's <laughs> it a... will. It will. It'll, it'll stain. Uh, it's it's kind of like gravy. It doesn't come out so easy. <laughs> um, but but that's, that's not appropriate to the character. And you do something like that, and, and it becomes very hard to redeem uh, who that is. Uh, so we we want to make sure that we're working with the licensees and in this case with the with the authors and everything else to okay why are you approaching it this way that's not really appropriate for the character what can we do to to alter that and not impact the story you're trying to tell negatively but also not negatively impact the characters that are absolutely beloved by people all over the world right right which leads us to the point of fan films I mean what you're talking about is officially officially licensed quote unquote work. Somebody out there that wants to uh, do the Wesley Crusher story their way and have nothing to do with you guys, uh, that is a totally different ball of wax, as they say. Well, a totally different I, I, bag of self-stealing stem bolts. So what um, – which leads us to guidelines for fan films. Uh, let's just sort of cut to the chase and say why now and what what is the impetus – 
of uh, of putting up these well, guidelines. Well, we've seen an explosion of uh, fan films in recent years, and and we know that these come from a very a place of a very deep love for Star Trek, and and the technological advances that have happened in the last uh, 10, 15 years uh, have enabled fans to tell their stories uh, with more ease and more detail, and 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 do some really amazing things. And for many years, we've used a simple guideline, both CBS and Paramount, in, in you know cooperation on this, which is a Star Trek fan film is a is a is a fan creation that's non-commercial. While we thought that this was simple enough and and helped filmmakers understand um, the separation that we need to keep between professional content and fan films. It's, it's becoming increasingly clear that not everyone has understood where that line is uh, between non-commercial and our professional efforts. And we decided to issue a set of guidelines that, that should help give some shape to this and standardize our, uh, our approach and, and the approach that fans can take to non-commercial fan-generated content. Uh, now I've I've seen some muttering online about this that the guidelines are you know oh this is this is intended to end fan films that's not the case at all that's not what we're trying to do here they're not intended to end fan films uh, but with the explosion of crowdfunding abuses have very definitely crept into the process for many it became. Um, more about the item that you were uh, donating to get than it was about supporting a fan production for its own sake. Uh, the, the production started spiraling larger and larger. There's something of an arms race about how many Hollywood names could be attached, how many people that had previously worked on track, how many famous actors could you involve? Uh, and that's not really in the spirit of fan fiction, not the, not the fan fiction that, that I grew up with and that, that many people uh, grew up with, which was more well, of a... Would you say that it, that it even sort of created a barrier of entry for people who... It, it, to... I, I've I've spoken with some people, um, in in including some people that have been involved peripherally with fan films. That that it that it has created a bit of a barrier of entry to some people because there's Star Trek fans all over the world, and they don't necessarily have the ability to access. Um, uh, Hollywood actors and people uh, even meet people that have worked on Trek unless they are able to travel to one of the larger conventions. So for a lot of people, they felt like, well, I, I can't get this actor and that actor. I can't get these people to tell my story. I don't know if I should bother uh, because I, I just can't compete on the level that these other guys are, are playing at. And, and that's, that's unfortunate because regardless of what someone else is doing, I would think it would be great for fans to show their passion however it is. At uh, it, it, the Star Trek, um, Star Trek uh, Las Vegas and the costume contest, uh, last year we we started offering a a you know different levels for the for the costume contest because there were a lot of people that were intimidated by the amazing costumes that you see and they're like oh, I don't know if I want to enter the costume contest I'm just going to get killed by this guy that's been working on this Borg for ten years right 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 and right. And, and, and what's unfortunate is that sometimes some of the most creative ideas they, actually they come from uh, anywhere. I'm, right, I, right. They were, they were, I mean, listen, no, no, the guy, I know some of these Borgs who come every year, they're amazing. They work in the garage all year and they are absolutely remarkable and they have discretionary income and they've got the time and they make it and it's beautiful. And then somebody will have a very sort of uh, 
fun, metaphorical, almost like a, wow, why didn't I think of that, but very simple costume, and it's not a level playing, well, I don't want to say level playing field, but it's great that you had the different categories for, for those different costumes. I'm going to go to the uh, the, the Ratatouille uh, card here since that's one of my favorite Pixar movies. But but the idea that anyone can cook, uh, that, that you, you can get great things from, from any corner. Uh, and and I, I truly believe that about Star Trek fandom. We've got f- fans all over the globe in every corner that you can imagine. And they have some terrific I- ideas and inspirations. I want to see more fans involved, and I think the guidelines that we that we have will make it easier for more people to enter. Uh, it will make it easier for more people to complete films uh, with with the shorter length that's involved, um, and and we won't see things spiraling off into the direction of. How many cool T-shirts or ships or things like that can I get for donating instead of donating just because this person has a great idea for a film and I want to see that story on screen? So um, before we get into the nitty-gritty of some of the questions, uh, some more sort of uh, larger questions, did you um, – just how, how did you decide on – the specifics of the guidelines. I mean, uh, you know, what went into making it? They happen to be ten, so they—if you want to call them the Ten Commandments, go right ahead. But when you when you came down from from the mountaintop, uh, you know, how 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 did how did coming up with these ten uh, ten work out? Well, a, a lot of consideration went into this. I I, I know people are are uh, quick to believe that uh, th- this is something that was uh, dashed off hastily, but but that's not the case at all. We've made an effort uh, here to encourage fans and to provide an outlet for fans and to do so in a way that also doesn't infringe on the copyrights of Star Trek or d- directly compete with the efforts of uh, either Paramount or CBS who, are the, who do own the rights to Star Trek. Um, and there's also a great many people who have worked on Star Trek over the decades and, and they have a bit of a uh, – they, they've got a bit of a stake in all of this as well. Um, I'm – I'm incredibly fortunate to be a part of this uh, amazing thing called Star Trek. But the way I approach it, that's it. I'm a caretaker. Uh, as long as I'm in the position, it's my job to to work with Star Trek and try every single day to leave it a little bit better than I found it uh, when I took over. And if I can add to the legacy of Star Trek in even a small way, that's that's something I'm incredibly proud of. And uh, that's that's the way so many people that have worked on Star Trek over the years and so many of these amazing people that I've been able to work with on different things, whether it's the uh, Mike and Denise Okuda on the Star Trek Encyclopedia or Rick Sternbach on, on tech manuals and things like that. It's, it's just an amazing opportunity for all of us to try and create something that goes beyond what we see on the show. But we all feel an incredible responsibility to represent Star Trek properly and, like I said, to leave it better than, uh, than we found it. And fan, yeah. fan, fan fiction, fan productions, they, they involve incredibly complex issues. So our, our discussions in, in getting to this involved people in a number of areas uh, at both Paramount and CBS. We, we both have a stake in Star Trek, how it's presented. And we have obligations um, both to the fans as well as to the companies to, to protect the value of Star Trek and preserve the value of Star Trek for future generations and and keep that value as high as possible so that it enables us to do things like this amazing new show that's coming from Brian Fuller. Uh, I, I'm 
can't even tell you how thrilled I am about what's in the works for that. Um, and a lot of the emphasis for this, frankly, came from what we've seen happening with fan films in recent years. And it, it what we felt needed to be done in order to protect fan films for the long term. Um, and that seems a little counterintuitive that putting some form of what people are considering to be restrictions on, on, on fan uh, uh, creativity. But it's... Um, it's something that needed to be done in order to cure some abuses that have that have been out there and to kind of refocus this around the fan experience and around creating more stories uh, rather than this kind of arms race about uh, talent and and fundraising and budget also and the and sort of a, a bloat if you will about a project that goes you know just keeps it keeps raising money keeps raising money and never actually gets anywhere um <clears throat> i know you are a cbs employee so you can't comment on this but from my point of view um there are uh other franchises that there are very few franchise there's only two now franchises that have any sort of guidelines there's star wars and star trek that's correct and if um if you want to make a batman film uh, you can do it and put it online and either no and what'll happen is you, either nobody will say anything or if it goes too far you'll get a cease and desist from from whoever owns the IP to that or whatever it is and it's kind of the wild west uh, with Star Wars there is something called the fan film uh, uh, contest and they do have limitations and restrictions that as far as far as I can see are significantly, uh, less lenient than the guidelines that you've positioned. Is that is that, that a fair thing to say? That is a that is a fair thing to say. The the Star Wars fan film uh, awards, uh, the fan film contest, uh, limits the films to five minutes or under. Uh, that certainly makes the uh, de- dealing with the judging in a contest and everything else uh, far far easier to do. Uh, and and there are a lot of restrictions in what you can do with the film. Uh, and in who can work on the film, et cetera, et cetera. What we're doing is trying to create a set of guidelines that are out there uh, and enable people to know if we stick within these, we're n- n- we're not going to hear from CBS. We're not going to hear from Paramount. We have nothing to to worry about. Would you correct me if I'm wrong? Like I said earlier, the last thing that you guys want to do is get involved in any litigation with any fan film creators. We, we absolutely consider a lawsuit to be our last resort. That's that's the the last thing that we ever want to uh, to, uh, to get into. Right, um, right. That's it's it's definitely not where we want to head at any so time. So a couple of questions that I got via Facebook when I mentioned that we would be talking to you and um, uh, just sort of a particular things. And I'm going to try to answer them and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, number one. Well, the, the, the most common question was there are a lot of fan films that are out there that do not meet the current guidelines. They already exist. They're on the Internet. People like them. Are you going to chase them down and tell them to uh, remove from the Internet? Absolutely not. 
Okay. If you, so that answers that answers at least fifty percent of all the questions I've got, and fan, we can name them by name if you want. You can. I mean, the, we, fan, we know what these are. Fan films that are already out there, and there's a long and rich history of Star Trek fan productions. Um, we're not, uh, and, and there's definitely ones that exceed the length requirement and and exceed the you know requirement of you know not having professional Trek actors and things like that. Uh, those are those we're not going and chasing things down retroactively. We're not going to be contacting. YouTube and service providers and 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 trying to you know scrub the internet of fan Star Trek that is not the intent of this anything that is already out there will remain out there we have no intention of taking anything down um, while we're going through questions here John uh, two quickies there was a guy who contacted me again there everybody's got like these weird little uh, situations but there was one fir- person who did a fan film 20 years ago. Um, and he just remastered it and he raised money, but it's longer than the 30 minutes. And he was just about to put it online and now he's worried that he won't be in compliance. Is this somebody who needs to worry or this one's, you know? These guidelines are, are meant for, for films on a, on a going forward uh, basis. Uh, if this is a film that's already been in existence before, the fact that he's, he's you know, remastering it uh, to, to repost it in, in better quality, that's, that's not an issue for us. Okay. That's what I figure. Now, also, let's say um, somebody raises their money. They, they follow the rules. Uh, they they shoot it, they cut it, they got it ready to go. They're about to put it up on a streaming platform. Do they contact you and and for review or or no? I mean, they just do it, and I mean, you're not reviewing each of these, are no, you? No, we're we're not reviewing your script. We're not re- reviewing your ideas. We're not reviewing your casting. We're not reviewing your creativity. If you uh, are done with your film and you feel it fits within the guidelines and and you're happy with where it's at and you have no more editing tweaks to make on it, please by all means uh, get it out there to your public. When your film is done. Your film's done. Uh, we don't. We don't need to have you send it in and and have us look at it and make sure every element that you've done. It's like, oh, what did he do for that phaser? Yeah, we're we're not looking to micromanage what you do. So, um, if somebody makes a new film and is in compliance with the guidelines, puts it online, they will never hear from you if they're doing it right. The only thing they'll hear from you is if you love it and say, oh my God, that was a great episode. But uh, If they do it great, they, they may hear from us and like, hey, that was awesome. But uh, right. yeah, no. Um, um, but the, if they don't the, hear that, they shouldn't feel offended. The idea <laughs> is to make this uh, simple and seamless. Some of those bigger productions, a handful of them, uh, you have been in touch with them and without getting into the specifics uh, about what what their sort of forward plans are. It's not like you're springing a surprise on them, nor are they springing a surprise on you. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. I mean, we we have had a, a long history with uh, with, with fan uh, productions um, and fan initiatives of, of various kinds. We're um, we're we're very much eager to. Have fans involved in Star Trek? Uh, I'm not sure what the best way to 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 elucidate on all this is, but we we want fans involved very much so. We just want them involved uh, in the right way. That's going to uh, be best for fandom as a whole. Is going to be best for Star Trek as a whole, and is going to help us uh, evolve and and bring Star Trek to a to a bigger and brighter future. Um, we do treat 
every use of our IP on a case-by-case basis. We do not like to paint with a big, broad brush uh, and and uh, uh, tar and feather everything in a specific way just because that is the most expedient. Uh, we have been in contact with different fan film groups over the years as well as recently. I've had, uh, uh, in the past week, a couple of groups have reached out to me uh, looking for clarification. Hopefully, what I'm able to do today will provide some of that in, in right. answering some of the questions people I mean, have. and there's even one, uh, there's one particular production that people really like that they are, on, they're, you know, changing, changing things in order to keep going, but to be in compliance with the guidelines, changing names, changing, you know, uh, titles, things of that nature. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, over over the weekend, I, I saw reports that uh, Star Trek Renegades had uh, opted instead to uh, shift course from what they were doing and turn their uh, turn turn their planned film into uh, their own uh, unique and and original direction, and try and sort of spin off from from what they had originally created into uh, their own unique and and uh, original IP. Uh, that's great. I encourage fans also to, you know, express their their love for Star Trek by, you know, creating their own worlds. I think that's a terrific, terrific thing to do. Um, I and and ultimately much easier for them. <laughs> well, when George Lucas couldn't get a couldn't a, get Flash Gordon, he made Star Wars, right? And, uh, absolutely. And <laughs> and there's there's a whole lot less canon that you have to worry about that way now, isn't there? If you're creating well, your own. Which is Blank not to canvas. say that if you want to if you want to do your own fifteen minute thing, God bless. But if you want to do something else, uh, but you know, you were talking about encouraging fans, and I know that this you can't get too specific about it. But can you talk a little bit about what you've done with fans with regard to artwork and fiction? Well, we, uh, we yeah, you know, it's 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 easy to think that uh, Star Trek is uh, lately is is all, you know in terms of fan initiatives is all about fan films, and and that's not it at all. Um, We've we've long encouraged uh, fan creativity and, and fan participation in Star Trek. Um, it, it gives uh, fan fiction gives room for a lot of uh, amateur voices to to express themselves through through Star Trek. We've done that in a variety of formats over the years. Uh, we've had the Strange New Worlds fan fiction contest with Simon and Schuster, which we initiated bringing back. Uh, for the 50th anniversary uh, and and just announced the winners of that recently. Two years ago, we had a fan art contest for our Ships of the Line calendar. Now, we didn't run the contest where it was been, we're going to turn over one image of one month of the calendar uh, to one winner. Uh, we turned the entire calendar over to fan artwork, and every image that's in it was created by a fan. We've had multiple contests to uh, design Star Trek ships that have created memorable designs, both for uh, Simon and Schuster in, in terms of the design of the USS Titan and for the Enterprise F that's been featured in uh, Star Trek Online. And we got some amazing, amazing work for that. And what's great about it is we've discovered some new talent. We we could have easily gone to very talented ship designers that we know, Rick Sternbach and John Eaves and Doug Drexler, and, and they could have whipped something out easily. But we thought with those things, wouldn't this be great to have a fan have the opportunity to do this, and and we got some you know different looks at things, and uh, I'm I'm incredibly proud of that record, and let, let's let's not forget um, 
Star Trek was the last show in Hollywood that still had an open script submission policy. Even while I was, was still at the studio, anybody could send in a spec script and it would get read and it would get evaluated and, and people had an opportunity to have their voice heard and, and get consideration. Uh, and and that's, that's an amazing, amazing thing about Star Trek. Another question that I got, uh, which I think the answer is pretty straightforward, is somebody was saying, well, we're recording um, a long-form radio play. Uh, does that... Uh, does that count as fan film? And I think the answer is no, right? No. It, uh, the, it, audio dramas definitely do not qualify under this. It's, it's, uh, these are fan film guidelines. Fan films only. And that doesn't, but that does include also uh, animation. Anything visual yes. is a fan film. Yeah. Because okay, there was some, yeah, some confusion it, about that. If it's a visual representation of Star Trek that way, that would, uh, that would qualify. As a, as a film, animation, computer animation, et cetera. There was somebody else that asked uh, 15 minutes for, uh, for the film, uh, does that include the credits? And my, tell me if the answer is right. The answer is yes, but no. Like if, you're, if it comes to 15 minutes and six seconds... <sighs> Fine, but go for fifteen minutes, right? The, I mean, these, like these you are do it, shave it down. The, these these are guidelines. They are right. they are intended um, to be something that gives structure and and lets people know the uh, the the limits they can operate within, where they know they're not going to get a knock on the door. Well, we don't. We don't go house to house anyway. Right. Uh, they're, they're not going to hear from us. They're not going to get a phone call. They're not going to get an email. They're not going to get anything that, that is, is going to ruin their day one way or another and, and, and make them you know, feel bad or like they've done anything wrong. Um, they're guidelines. Uh, we're not, we're not going to be able to provide the level of feedback that's like, you know, I've got this really great scene, but if I include this scene or this one really cool shot, I don't want to cut anything else from it. It's going to make the film 15 minutes and 30 seconds. What do I do? Um, that's, that's up to you and, and your, you know, creative decisions. We're not looking to get into that. We're not approving any material where we don't want to get involved. And your script choices, your, your right, costuming you're not choices. These are, these are unlicensed things. It's it's up to the individual, but these are the guidelines. But but, but we 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 what what we're asking for here, honestly, is is we're asking for a level of of cooperation from from fandom themselves. We we have a, I have a responsibility every day with what comes across my desk to to look at it and make sure that it properly respects Star Trek that it properly pays tribute to Star Trek, that it properly represents what people love about Star Trek. And, and we feel very much that that is what fans need to do with these films. That is a responsibility that we, that we all share in. And as long as you're representing Star Trek appropriately and you're doing it within these guidelines, there, there's no issues whatsoever. Uh, a couple of other uh, key questions that came, came up a lot. Um, uh, oh, no, I forgot myself. Um, yes, okay, the money, the dough, right? A lot of this comes down to dough. 50 grand is the amount of the limit for raising money over, um, you know, uh, these crowd crowdsourcing platforms like Indiegogo and Kickstarter. If you have a rich uncle and that rich uncle wants to give you a million dollars, that's not what you're talking about here. You're talking about raising money over... 
Uh, we're spe- we're specifically talking about crowdfunding uh, campaigns. If you've got, you know, uh, rich uncle um, Alfred who wants to, uh, you know, throw two hundred thousand dollars at you, it's like we're we're not we're not looking we're not looking at that. Where where we've seen problems creep in is with uh, large large um, crowdfunding campaigns with a great deal of rewards uh, involved in it to where people are like donating the money because they're going to get a cool piece of merchandise rather than because they want to support a really cool fan project. Right, right. Uh, so, that's, so that's where the number comes in because that's the number that you feel once it reaches that threshold, after that it starts getting a little weird and the it, producers it, start getting... It does. Getting... And, and also I, I, I feel you know strongly that $50,000 where you're talking about 15 minutes uh, should be able to go uh, uh, fairly far. Uh, all, all of this is is definitely a, a conversation. Um, we we hope that uh, we hope very much that this helps kind of uh, settle things with Star Trek fan films. That it provides some clarity for everybody, and that we can see what is working and what's not working, uh, and and we can we can we can follow up accordingly with that. Uh, we're we're not issuing these as uh, a, a, you know fan film laws. These are fan film guidelines. And and we want people very much to operate within these and respect both us and, and Star Trek as a whole. $50,000 over 15 minutes when people have been used to, to seeing uh, you know, eighty thousand dollars spent for a a forty five minute episode, or a hundred thousand dollars, or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars spent to to create something much longer. Fifty thousand for fifteen minutes should go pretty far. We've seen we've seen some astonishing creativity for even less money than this uh, from from fan groups, and I I think this gives a target. Um, uh, I know for uh, Star Wars, for anything, uh, I, I believe in the their their contest rules uh, don't provide any guidance on money and for anything unofficial uh, I believe they've they've said publicly that crowdfunding is forbidden we are specifically allowing fifty thousand dollars of crowdfunding right right um, and that's and then there's also um, it's 15 minutes and there is the option to do a part two if that's the, if you must do that you have the option but that's another that's part of the fifty thousand, correct? Uh, fifty thousand is is available per fifteen minutes. Oh, okay. Um, now, uh, the other thing that brought up a lot of questions was regarding uh, costumes, props, and weapons, things of that nature. That uh, there's a, one of the guidelines states. I don't have the exact wording in front of me. Uh, you know, if it is available uh, through our license licensees. Uh, the licensors then you know use that one. This is then, definitely an area of uh, big big misconception, right? With, because I was like, hey, if I want to if I want to make my own tricorder out of uh, macaroni, uh, what the heck, man? I, I can do that, right? And, Jordan, you are now committed to make a tricorder out of macaroni <laughs> just so I can see it. So can you can you shed a little light on that one because that one did lead lead to yeah. some questions, and I get it. Now you, you know, Anovos, We're, one of your licensors, makes gorgeous. Costumes, but if somebody wants to make their own, what what do they do? They make their own. Um, Anovos is is a is a terrific example because this is a this is a company that was started by a couple of fans who did not yet 
even have a operating business who did not yet have a license from anybody else who came to us with a presentation and a plan and some samples of the quality of work that, 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 that they felt they could do. And they have created a business out of that. We, we looked at it. We were like, yes, let's try this. Um, they came out of fan ranks. And they have spent over the years, being a Star Trek licensee, tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars at this point, on development for their products. They make exceptionally good quality stuff that looks screen accurate, that, that wears well, that is nicely tailored. Um, and you've seen the stuff at conventions. It looks amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, so out of support for Star Trek, we would ask people that if you are um, doing a fan film, that you not purchase stuff from unlicensed bootleg operators who do not help support official Star Trek and, and create a climate where we can get more Star Trek. So we're asking that if we have stuff commercially available, that you consider using that on your, on your uh, projects. Um, we do have great quality stuff available from, from vendors like Anovos, from, from QMX, et cetera. And we would like you to respect that and, and support their investment into Star Trek and dedication uh, to, to Star Trek. Um, many times their materials are going to be a perfect fit and provide a, a great and very accurate shortcut for you. But we're not looking to inhibit fan creativity. We're not looking to limit what you can do on your episode. Like, well, they don't have an officially licensed uh, original series uh, Silver LeMay environmental suit, so what do I do? I guess I have to cut that from my story. Nope. What you have to do then is get a, somebody who's really talented that can make one. Uh, and, and, and that's fine. We're not looking to inhibit that. We're not looking to get rid of the DIY ethic of Star Trek right. fans. I, and then... For, I, and then Correct me if I'm wrong. And then once you've made it, you're hoping that the person is not going to turn around and sell it as a perk in their uh, well. Well, yes, <laughs> we're 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 hoping people aren't going to decide. Hey, I did a really good job making that. I'm going to go into business uh, uh, doing that. Um, but I, I I completely get that. When I was a kid, ten years old, eleven years old, and I'd see a Star Trek episode with a really cool thing in it, and I'd be digging through everything in the house, seeing it's like, oh, here's an old wrapping paper tube. If I take that and this coat hanger and this cut out this piece of cardboard and spray paint it silver, what can can I make this thing that I right. saw in the episode? And and I get that. That's part of the fun of Star Trek. You were talking about the costuming that you see at these conventions where you see you have people showing up as the crystalline entity and that that's amazing and that's yeah. wonderful. And by all means, please, please keep that part of Star Trek going. We're not trying to inhibit that. If there is the opportunity to use official merchandise, we would ask that fans help support the franchise that they love so much. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast with your host, Jordan Hoffman. You are, after all, irrational. 
So um, now that these guidelines are out there, a question that some people want to know is, uh, does this mean that the litigation that's currently undergoing with the project known as Axonar, is that is that done? Is the suit over? Or, or is, are these two things that are not connected? These are, uh, these are two things that are separate. Uh, as of right now, the suit is active, and I can't comment on pending litigation. That's uh, not appropriate. Uh, I can confirm that we're continuing to discuss settlement with the people behind Axonar. The fan film guidelines are a separate issue. It is something that different fan groups have approached us about and asked us for over the years, and we have provided that night, uh, provided that now. Uh, this is an effort to give fans the clearest picture of a framework for fan fiction and films separate from the litigation. It's something we've I've been working on in one, one aspect or another for some time. Uh, I first started thinking about it and positing what could happen, how could it work where we can try and bring fan films into the fold in a more official basis, and 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 we've done that. We're the first media company to do that. Uh, there there is the fan film contest. There have been rules in the past that have only covered parody and satire. That's not the type of storytelling that Star Trek fans want to do. They don't. They you know it's it's fun to poke some fun at certain uh, tropes from Star Trek, but. Star Trek fans want to celebrate it. They want to extend that universe. They want to tell their own stories in it. And we we don't want to we don't want to limit it that way. We want to provide basic a basic framework that says here's what you can do to keep yourself uh, as a non-commercial entity and uh, uh, respect Star Trek and the professional Star Trek that we are working on. And and be able to have hopefully a great deal of fun. I think I think that you know I've I've heard from a lot of people uh, and seen a lot of chatter online in recent days about the length guideline and people feeling that that is untenable and that they can't tell a Star Trek story in 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 fifteen minutes or thirty minutes. I think that's a bit insulting to Star Trek and to the creativity of the fans that I've met and to some of the fan filmmakers I've met. The idea that that Star Trek is capable of only telling one type or length of a story, uh, that, that's that's kind of ludicrous. There are there are dozens of winners of the Strange New Worlds fiction contest over the years that would disagree since that's a short story contest. We have fiction writers that write epic multi-part books and we have fiction writers that write shorter, simpler ebook novellas. In the comics, we we have an incredibly tight canvas to work with. We've got 20 pages, and we're just fitting in word balloons right. around 20 pages of artwork. There's not that much that that is that is on the pages, and uh, it it takes a great deal of editing and and focus on what story you're telling. Uh, in order to do that, but but it's it's very possible. And and Mike Johnson and Scott and David Tipton and and others that we've had working on the comics have done a masterful job of that. There's a guideline in there that um, says uh, it's the only one that talks about like what the create the creative angle and says that you don't want anyone depicting um, illegal or illicit behavior, drug use, so you know. Uh, <laughs> deviant sexual activity, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the show, uh, you know, the show does, the show has pushed envelopes over the years. Uh, the characters go to interesting places. I mean, uh, you know, 
in the pale moonlight, Captain Sisko. Uh, That's pretty one dark. Could arg- one could argue uh, ar- he he would say the ends justifies the means in certain cases, and maybe is. Complicit in the murder of a Romulan. I mean, that's that's have, one of my favorite Star Trek episodes. You're you're, there, you're absolutely right. And there's uh, you know there's there's some episodes that talk about genocide. You know there's uh, there's heavy duty stuff on Star Trek. So what can you shed a little light on that guideline because that seems to perhaps um, be a little contradictory. Yeah, it it on on its surface it is, but again, this is a guideline. This is this is not um, th- this is not the hand of Q coming down and 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 dictating uh, what you can do in your story, and you have to submit it, and we're going to you know uh, send it through standards and practices and make sure that everything complies perfectly. We're 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 not looking to do that. We're we're not looking to get in your business creatively. Um, Star Trek is absolutely depicted things uh, like that. This is intended as a guideline. It's also intended as a means to protect us and to protect Star Trek from things that are uh, that are that are not appropriate for it or not good for it. Um, I, part of what, what made Star Trek successful is doing episodes that deal with drug addiction, the psychological effects of torture. You know, thank goodness there's only one light in here and not four. Um, right. I, but there's a responsibility we we have to Star Trek, and uh, th- this seems like a crazy thought on first blush. What are you protecting it from? But it, it's quite real, and it's one thing for official Star Trek, which is subject to internal review, to handle those things appropriately. But but it's another when unofficial third parties may want to do something that that we find unacceptable or damaging to a beloved character. I mentioned the thing uh, about Wesley Crusher uh, before. I've I've we've had stories come across our desk. Uh, that have involved uh, a beloved captain abusing a child, getting ready to whip a child. And it's like, no, that's not going to happen. Um, or, you know, behaving in, 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 in an out-of-character or, you know, misogynistic way or something like that. Uh, actions that are fundamentally against who those characters are and, and why they've become beloved characters. So we have to protect against that. Um, we're not looking to review scripts, as I said, or your story decisions. But with that freedom, you have to understand, comes a responsibility to treat Star Trek with the respect it's due and, and not do anything that negatively impacts on Star Trek or its various elements. If your material doesn't negatively reflect on Star Trek but can comments appropriately on societal and social issues in the finest traditions of Star Trek, episodes like In the Pale Moonlight uh, are, are a good example. Uh, there won't be any issues. And in fact, your episodes will be much better. Uh, they'll definitely be better Star Trek if, if you do use them to, to comment on those things. And that's going to necessitate depicting certain unsavory things. So, um, so, so what you're saying is there is not going to be a review board out there saying, Oh, the way your version of of Captain Kirk did that, uh, he wouldn't really do it that way. That's not in his character. No, you're not talking that level of of uh, of, of review. But you know, well, only if you're a sense. licensed writer, <laughs> right? Then right. you'll be but, subject to that level of review. As and good, and thank God you're there. We need you on that wall. But uh, but you know, uh, but having Captain Kirk doing something. You know, profane and what is profanity is a is a is a long conversation. But I think we know when we see it, doing something that's totally out of character for some sort of shock value reason, that's and that isn't parody. 
that, correct me if I'm wrong, is where you say, no, 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 these are these are Star Trek characters and we have to protect them. If you do and- something that's going to be damaging to the fundamental um, character of of Star Trek, of, of uh, beloved characters, Captain Kirk, Captain Picard, uh, Beverly Crusher, whoever it may be from across the pantheon of Star Trek, if you're doing anything that's going to damage that, that, that that's going to put them or things like that in, in, in an overtly negative light that goes against what we've seen and, and what we know about these elements of Star Trek, yeah, th- then there will be a problem. Other, otherwise, like I said, if you're using it to comment on societal and social issues, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to look. We we've all have a duty to Star Trek, whether you're a fan or an employee of CBS or Paramount in that respect, to, to really honor what that creation is, what Rick Berman and Gene Roddenberry and Ron Moore and Brian Fuller and all of these amazing, amazing creators have have done to create this just incredible, incredible um, thing called Star Trek. Um, we, we've we've got a duty to 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 respect it and and protect it. Um, what about the music? I know that there were some questions about. Uh... You know, people wanting to use uh, music in their fan films. Well, when I, when I talk about fan films being a complex landscape, this is this is one of the things that immediately comes to mind because it, it comes to mind on a on a daily basis for for us and projects that we're working on. We may own Star Trek, but we don't own the rights to Star Trek music, and we can't grant those rights to fan films uh, as much as we might want to. You know, use that opening theme, whether it's from TNG or from the original series, all over the place and get that music out there. I was listening to Star Trek music on my way here because that's the kind of guy I am. Uh, and and when we when we mention in the guidelines things like needing to clear any third-party rights for content in writing in the guidelines, this is why. We don't control those rights. We can't give you the rights to the music. It's likely fans may want to utilize stuff that we can't grant rights to because we don't own those rights. Star Trek music is very much included in that. If you want to use uh, Jerry Goldsmith's Klingon themes because you've got this amazing Klingon attack that you're planning in your film or the opening uh, four tones from the TOS theme song or anything else from all the great Star Trek music, you should contact the music publisher for that and and secure those rights because we don't have them and we can't grant them. Okay. Um, I think that's all the questions I had. There were a couple of very specific kind of weird sort of oddball questions. But I, I think, you know, as a general rule, the reason why you've created these guidelines is that you don't want to be on the receiving end of, you know, what about this and what about that and what about this? The, you you can't do that. You know, you've got a you've got a job to do. You you uh you this is the you know the creation of these guidelines were 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 meant so that they would answer the questions for people. Um so if there is a, a project that is not shooting yet, that is in the process of raising money, they need to correct course a little bit and 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 follow what you're talking about here. Is that is that a is that a proper way of stating it? That's a fair statement. And, and we, you know, as, as I said earlier, we, we try very much to treat each use of the Star Trek brand and, and, and each use of Star Trek on its own merits. Um, we, we don't look at everything identically. If you, uh, uh, we, we've had, we've had situations where 
we've we've been approached by a, uh, a, a bereaved family or an undertaker who's like, in this guy's last will and testament, there's this request to put the Starfleet Delta on their headstone. We don't even know what that means, but we know it's from Star Trek. What what do we do? You know, can, can we do this? And it's like, by all means, if someone is a as big a fan of Star Trek that they want to be their, the last thing, the way they leave this world, then that is, that's amazing. And absolutely, here you go. Here's the file for the logo. Do it the best you possibly can. Um, and and we're, we're, not, we're not looking to treat everything the same. And a good part of, a, a big part of that is what your, uh, what your intentions are with the brand. Uh, and and how you're looking to utilize it, uh, what you're looking to do with it. So, we we don't approach everything the same. Um, again, these are these are guidelines. If participants stay within them, there should be no issues. We we can't provide flexibility to the degree that if you're looking for that variance on a few extra seconds of running time or know, want to know what to do if you know your your mom sent you five hundred dollars to add to the budget, uh, we don't want to micromanage fan projects that way. We we do want to flesh out what non commercial fan film means in a way that's clear and fair and, and equitable for, for, for everybody. And that also has to do with what you spoke about earlier, about who has the bigger Hollywood connections, who can get an actor that's known, that has an affiliation with Star Trek that's going to automatically make it seem quasi sort of official because, oh, that guy, he, and he's playing that character. and that, that is something that only a very, very, very my, minuscule percentage of fan filmmakers can do. And it's sort of... Uh, as you said earlier, is, is against is anathema to what fan films are all about. Yeah, and what 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 I'm what I'm honestly hoping will happen with the with these guidelines with a with a fifteen minute or thirty minute limit on this, uh, and and a fifty thousand dollar crowdfunding uh, limit. Um, I, I think it's going to be easier for people to hit their goals uh, quickly and easily and get their projects underway. I think with the fifteen minute limit. Uh, I think with some of the things that are here is it's going to make it easier than ever for more people to pick up cameras. Everybody's walking around with a high-definition video camera in their pocket now, which is it's, – it's amazing that, that that's where we're at. You buy computers and there's, there's uh, capable video editing software preloaded on it. It's an amazing time for that. Uh, what we want to do is we want to drive – more films forward, more fan voices, not fewer. We want more. We want, we want to see more people express their creativity for Star Trek. And, and hopefully out of that, we'll be able to find new ways to take advantage of this um, uh, and, and, and to see Star Trek continue to grow and evolve. Uh, I've definitely had people express their concerns about what this means. It's a big adjustment. There's no question. Yeah. People have yeah, gotten yeah. people have gotten used to full <clears throat> like 1960s length uh, episodes of you know 50 minutes, 50 minutes plus, uh, 90 minute feature films. But it, that's that's what we do. We're producing full length episodes with and 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 Paramount's producing uh, amazing. 
amounts of I mean the, the the budgets that are involved on on a Star Trek motion picture now are beyond anything I could you know possibly have believed 10 15 years ago right. that, that 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 kind of budget would be available to Star Trek and you're uh, still inviting people to 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 come aboard in a very specific and ultimately fruitful way. Uh, a- absolutely, and and you know we're 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 definitely out there. I mean, I I believe me if if people are saying it about fan films online, I, I, we're aware we're we're aware of what's going on. There's the idea that that uh, there's people locked in a room somewhere and don't know. Uh, I'm out at Star Trek Las Vegas. I'll be at Mission New York. I'll be at Destination Star Trek Europe this year. I'll be at Comic Con. I'm out there. This is this is what I do. Um, uh, I love it. I live it. I'm amazed that I get paid to be a part of it. Um, but don't don't you know tell anybody. John, I'm going to uh, give you an analysis. I'm going to give you my analysis here. Here it comes. Now that I've listened to you speak for a very long time, now reminder, I am not a CBS employee. So I'm a human being responding to this right now. Here it comes. You ready? I, I'm, I'm, I'm always ready, Jordan. For a number I, I'm of, hoping it's about Tuvix or Keenser. For a number of people who really were loving certain productions and were either involved as donors or just fans of it, it's going to take some adjustment, and it's it's going to suck for a little while. They're going to be angry. People are angry when something that they like is is when people people are angry when anybody tells you what to do. I get on the bus and somebody tells me to sit where I don't want to sit. I get angry. So people are going to get angry for a little while, but in time, fast fast forward to a year from now, we're going to have an ecosystem for fan films that I think is going to be much much better than what we have right now, and uh. There will always be some hardcore fans that loved certain productions that aren't going to be continuing. But I really do think that for most people, this is going to be a very, very good thing. And, um, you know, the current litigation with Axanar, there are people that that just, you know, are very, you know, like to cause a fuss about that. And, you know, that's up for the courts to decide. But that aside, that has nothing to do with this. You know, you're telling me that you've been in conversation with some of the creators of other bigger productions, not Axanar, and that there's going to be ways for these creative people to do what they want to do in the context of these guidelines that is going to make Star Trek fan films, Mach 2.0, whatever you want to call it, a pretty spectacular place. That's my That's my... That's my statement on this. I, I hope so. I mean, it's very hard for me to predict where things are going to go with groups that already have plans underway that may have uh, uh, cast people that that under these ga- guidelines would be, you know, not. Man, they're going to be pissed con- off. Not considered gonna, to be eligible. They're, they're going to hate you. Ch- change, <laughs> change is cha- change is hard. I mean, if right. if, if I were to uh, at, at my dinner table move my son to another spot to sit down to eat his dinner, he'd probably lose his mind. Change is hard for people. There's there's no question, and this is a big change over what people have gotten used to. Uh, but what what there is to gain out of this is 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 something amazing, which is that there is a certainty where we. We are the first first studio in in town, the, the first ones that are providing like, look, here are some guidelines for you to go out and create in our universe without any threat, any worry whatsoever. 
that this is this is now a completely permitted thing as long as you're within these guidelines and that's amazing because that's unprecedented uh, no one else does that the, the 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 guidelines just don't exist so uh, yeah it's 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 a little it's a little scary for us this is a big change for us this is well, this is trailblazing in in many respects if there if this were the episode parallels and we could look into a parallel universe there would be if you didn't have this job if they didn't have a guy like you working at CBS when when these problems would come up there might just be somebody say well scrum sue them all boom the hammer of justice comes down if, and if you're you, there saying no 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 that's the last thing you want to do if you had is, asked me 5 years ago if we would would get to the point where where we were um a, 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 had guidelines that officially permitted the the use of of Star Trek for for fan uh, uh, filmed fan content like this, I I would not have believed it was something that would happen. And yet here we are, and and it's happening. And uh, I I think there's two ways to go with this. You can you can look at this as uh, shackles uh, and and like well this isn't exactly what I've known, or like okay, let's figure out how we can use this creatively, how we can use this to create a whole new frontier uh, and, and, and take Star Trek in new directions and new things to tell. Star Trek is such a rich, vast universe that, that you know, we all, I often talk to fans and there are, there are things like, oh, you know, it would be really cool to, to like, you know, learn something about how uh, Starfleet Medical operates, or or this this little story about this one character. You know what what what's uh, what's Mordok the Benzite doing these days, or wh- whatever it may be. And it's like, is that something that you want to do an entire season or 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 a series about? Well, probably not. But but is it something that you could do uh, a neat 15, 30 minute film on and, and could be really creative and really different from anything else that's been out there for Star Trek? Absolutely. And I, I'm looking forward to people showing us what those are. I've seen a couple of short Star Trek fan films online and it's like, wow, that's really cool. You did you did something neat with very, very little, and and you created something in in like ten minutes that I was thoroughly engaged by, and 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 that's amazing. I mean, you you think about the uh, the short films that Pixar produces that go before their movies. Oh yeah, and if you if you think that that you can't do great character development and something really compelling, uh, the, the the number of Academy Awards that have gone to short films like that would, would belie that. I mean, that stuff is amazing. And I, I often look forward to those as much as I do the feature. Like, what's the short film in this one going to be? And, and uh, a little, like it's, a, like a, it's really a be- exciting. A beautiful part. I don't know if you saw uh, Piper, which was before Finding Dory, it was beautiful. It was very, very short. I, I, I haven't, but I'm hoping tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, what what would be the Piper of the Star Trek universe? A, a beautiful, uh, you know, little little picture on a frame there. Um, well, I think um, I think I think we've said it all. So I'm very glad that we were able to bring you on today, John, because. Um, you know, it, it's it's uh, we wanted to shed some light on this on this topic because uh, you know when anything new pops up, everybody has a lot of questions, and it was important to me that uh, people got to hear uh, you know the thinking that went behind it. There will be some people that are still unhappy. Uh, there's nothing we can do about that, but I think I think many to most people will understand what you're trying to do and the the um, 
how compelled you are to protect uh, the brand in this sort of new digital frontier. And, you know, these are changing times and, um, and you know, you're reacting to that. They are changing times. It, it is difficult. There, there are going to be uh, there, there's definitely going to be shades of gray in all of this. There, there always are. Uh, I, I, I think that's one of the things that our uh, attorneys uh, uh, tend to either uh, appreciate me for or curse me for in finding a lot of those shades of gray and in, in, you know different interpretations of things. But we're we're looking at this uh, as as a as like I said a great new frontier and and a great opportunity. Uh, it's something that we've never had before. It's brand new. It's going to be an adjustment for everybody involved. It's going to be it's going to be an adjustment for me because it's th- this whole question is something that that didn't used to take up uh, much of my time or consideration. It's clearly going to take more of of my time and consideration. But um, the fact that there is an official permitted outlet for fans where you don't have to concern yourself about uh, my um, Am, am I going to anger anybody if I do this? It's like there you've got a framework that you know there's not going to be a problem. We'll we'll continue the dialogue with fans. We'll we'll continue seeing how everything works and and we're we're very excited about where we're at with it. And and I think that there's I mean, a bright a new, future let me, ahead. Let me, let me throw something at you. I mean, it's a new day with this. I mean, in in the past when people have had fan films and there've been conventions, it's kind of been like a well, we can't show it here, so it's sort of underground. Uh, you know, now this is all above board. I know that you guys are never going to be officially condoning this because you can't because they're unlicensed, but it's not secretive. It's like, oh, this is a cool thing. Like, you know, it's- I can talk about it. I'm I'm the official quote-unquote podcast. If something really cool is out there... It's something that exists. If, I mean, if you're operating within the framework of this, it's going to open up new opportunities. Uh, there's, there's no question. Uh, at official events and conventions in the past, we we haven't been able to uh, to grant permission to to show fan films. We haven't been able to grant permission for fan film groups to exhibit and and fundraise at them. If you're in compliance with these, that that is something that's going to change. I mean, we, there's there's a lot of opportunity that comes along with this. And that's something that I'm very excited about because it's it's going to help ramp up fan involvement and fan participation in that's in a, something. That's a big, uh... it, it's, it's I can't even begin to explain uh, how <laughs> that, how that is how... A big, that... That, that I say, that's a really great and big point that we buried at the end of the show, John. I'm really, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good at burying the lead, man. <laughs> well, hopefully, listen. Anybody who's interested in this at all is going to listen to the whole thing. Either people are going to tune out in the first two minutes and listen to the whole thing. So, for the people that are listening to the whole thing, uh, there's the cherry at the end of the at the end of the podcast. There, but uh, I, I mean, obviously, nothing official. But I think that's a really. It's just a new day. It's a new day for fan films and for CBS. It's like. It's like getting all out. It's like we had an intervention. It's like we went to marriage counseling and we got it all out in the open. And now uh, we're talking about it and we don't have to hide and we can in- engage with one another. Uh, we, meaning the fan, th- fans that are making the films and, and the brand and the license and CBS. And, you know, if everybody's in compliance with, with these very generous guidelines, then it's, it's all cool, man. Uh, it's like... Uh, it's like Dharma and Gelada Tanagra, man. It's uh, it's 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 really great. So I, I feel like I, 
I feel like I need I need a drink now. This is heavy duty stuff. So um... yeah, I'm 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 incredibly excited about about what's to come. Uh, I I love Star Trek and everything associated with it, uh, it as much if not more than than so many fans do. Uh, it's been an incredible part of my life. It's it's helped shape who I am as it has for for many many fans, and uh, I I absolutely want to do. What is best for for Star Trek as a whole, both now and for the long term health of Star Trek? And I want to do the best best that we possibly can by Star Trek fans, who who Star Trek, no question, owes a lot to. Uh, I would put Star Trek fans against any other fan base uh, anytime. I, I think our fans are terrific; they're amazing, and I. I just really hoping that that these guidelines will will help spur additional creativity. It's going to be different creativity, but uh, again, it's the first time that anything has existed officially like this. It's a brave new frontier, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what that brings. It's it's going to change as hard uh, initially, but uh, I'm very excited about what's to come. I, I I love Star Trek in all of its forms. I love techno babble. I love. Everything about it, and I, I just I can't wait to see what's next. All right. Well, listen, we're going to cut it there. Um, people that are going to have follow-up questions, and they are – you're going to be around at the convention. Uh, and, um, you know, you uh, – if people need to contact you, they can, they, can, they can figure it out. They know how to contact uh, pe- you. People so. have already figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. And the next time we have you on, uh, we'll be talking about other topics, uh, you know, not only just new products that you guys are working on, uh, you know, the, the new encyclopedia is coming out soon. And um, but also just to talk about, you know, Tuvix and Keenzer and Mores and all the great characters that we love. And John, thanks again. I think what you've done Today is probably helped a lot of uh, fans that needed more information get the info that they need. I, I, I hope we've helped to to provide a little context about what we're trying to do with this and and uh, what what the the uh, the guidelines actually mean uh, that they're not uh, uh, intended to to squash fan creativity. We're just hoping to guide fan creativity in in a in a slightly different way, but uh, a, a way that I think can be very exciting if if uh, if people seize the opportunity that it presents. Cool. All right, man. Well, listen, I'll be seeing you in in uh, Las Vegas in uh, in the not too distant future. Uh, a, a lot sooner than I would like. <laughs> All right, to, live long. Lot to do between yes. now and then. Yes, yes. All right, live long and etc. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you very much, okay. Jordan. It's been a pleasure. You got it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.